Welcome to Advance Your Art. If you are interested in making money from your art, using your artistic background to your advantage when switching careers, or if you are just plain stuck, you've come to the right place. Now let's get started and have some fun with your host, Yuri Cataldo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Advance Your Art with Yuri Cataldo. If you're interested in learning how to build a company, make money from your art, or if you're just feeling stuck, you've come to the right place. Every week, I sit down with a creative entrepreneur to discuss the who, what, and why of their journey. If you like this episode, please remember to like, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Today, my very special guest is Adam Van Gutken, co-founder and CEO of High Clear Castle Spirits. Adam, hello. Welcome to the show. How are you? Yuri, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Excellent. It's, it's my absolute pleasure. I'm, I'm glad this was able to, to work out. So where are you located right now and, and how are things in your neck of the woods? I am in Connecticut, uh, our, our, our North American uh, headquarters. Uh, I put here in Essex, which is a charming little, charming little village right by the, right by the sea mm -hmm. and where the Connecticut River kind of meet. And uh, you typically traveling, but obviously the last, the last year, year and a half has been a little weird about that. So a little bit limited. Um, and, and, and sadly, not, ca not calling in here from the castle, which is where I probably prefer to be right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine, although I know for my, again, the listeners, they can't see where you're sitting, but it's an absolute beautiful like setup. I, I would love to like drink a, a cocktail in that, <laughs> in that room because it just feels like it's one that's full of you know prom promises of great opportunities and conversation and just a fun time. Well, you know, we, we've got the Heichler Castle cigars as well as the Heichler Castle gin. And our cigars are actually handmade in Nicaragua. Okay. And, uh, and of course, you know, the, the, the rooms of Heichler Castle are also stunning and each one of them has its grandeur, but also its coziness. And so when, when, when putting this office together, mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to have a cigar room in the office, which we were able to bring together. And so of course it has to have this kind of warm woods and cool uh, decor. Yes, yes it does. Excellent, well, you've done a, a wonderful job with that. So. Let's let's start from the beginning. How do you describe yourself and what you do? Well, I'm a uh, I'm really a lifelong entrepreneur. I left college after one semester. Uh, I really shouldn't say I left. I was uh, removed, <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't quite I wasn't quite an an academic, but always loved creating, and uh, and I've always loved business because of its inherent kind of. Uh, I like people and I like dealing with people and working with people and collaborating with people. And, and I also like creation. And uh, I've always, I've always said that, that, that being an entrepreneur and being a business owner, you, you really are kind of designing the reality of tomorrow in goods mm -hmm. and simple things like you know, whether you're in furniture or you're in food, or in my case, uh, you know, spirits and, and, and cigars, it's kind of like you are creating the matrix. You're, you're doing the coding programming of the reality of tomorrow for yeah. what people have available in their world. And I've just always been enamored with that and very passionate about what we do. And I particularly like spirits. I, I discovered spirits uh, over a decade ago. I was in my mid twenties mm -hmm. and um, my family's history goes way back to liquor production in New England. Um, in, in the 1800s, we had a, a prominent whiskey distillery in Connecticut that we lost actually the feds took it away because my ancestors tried to ship 800 barrels of whiskey up to canada and avoid paying the taxes on it 
And then, uh, you know, this area rather well as well, yeah. the, the little town of Middletown. Mm-hmm. Um, during Prohibition, we had a, a pretty well-known infamous speakeasy in our hotel. And so, uh, so we've always had this kind of connection to spirits. And um, I rediscovered that in my 20s and, and built the first distillery here in Connecticut, mm-hmm. built in a very long time. And there's something that is so charming about the liquor business in that when, when you're on my side of it, you know, we spend time in the fields, you know, it's farming and then it's production and manufacturing. And then it's all the glitz and the kind of sexiness of being in the market and the events and all the things that we do. And I live all of those stages. And so for me, that keeps the day from being boring and we're making something, which I think is always important when and prideful when you can say that. Mm-hmm. And so here we are. Somehow I'm uh, doing this. <laughs> well, that's wonderful. So, yeah, and thank you so much for giving that that family background. That's fascinating to hear that you're basically, you know, spirits is, is in your blood um, in yeah. one way or another. So before we get into your current project right now, um, you originally started a company called Onyx Sound Lab. Is that correct? What was, so what was, what initially made you want to, let's say, get in the music business early on and, and work on that project? Yeah, it was kind of a it was kind of a weird story. We, we find ourselves we found ourselves my 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 business partner Pete and I um, in in the music industry rather weirdly. We were we were throwing parties, mm-hmm. and at one point I don't know if you remember this this R and B band uh, uh, called Jagged Edge, mm-hmm. and um, from the '90s or in early 2000s, and they're still around and make great great R and B music. But we got to know them. We threw a party with them, and then we kind of started doing more events with their team and stuff, and then we. Um, I've always been a lover of music, but not formally trained. And next thing you know, we built a recording studio. We were doing some pretty big contracts with some labels and some big companies and, yeah. and had a lot of fun for, for our, our 20s, you know, our, our early 20s. I didn't complete college, so it was kind of like right off to work mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, had adventures and traveled a bit uh, while, while being in the music business. And then, then some years into it, I just found that it, it's a very taxing industry to be in. And it's kind of very... Um, you know, it's very superficial because it is entertainment. And, uh, and also my wife um, wasn't loving that that was kind of uh, where I was at. And so um, well, my now wife, I should say. Yeah. And so, um, so we decided to, to, to really change gears and, uh, and, and, and found the spirits business really bit by, as, a, as, a, as a kind of passionate customer. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've always enjoyed fine spirits and wine. And uh, of course, was doing some playing around with making beer and wine at home and that kind of stuff. So it just kind of happened almost organically. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. So okay. So let's talk about your your latest project now, which is your your high clear um, gin. Why gin? And what initially? Like, how did this collaboration that you have with High Clear Castle? How did that initially happen? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great question. You know, what, once I built the distillery here in Connecticut and we were really in, getting entrenched in the industry, I, I, of course, like many people do, I started to make a fantastic network around the world of other people in the industry. And, and one of the things I found is that, you know, it, it really is true that about 95% of the spirits we drink are just mass produced by corporations. It's, yeah. it's really most of what you see in a, in a liquor store or at a bar is, is, the equivalent of McDonald's. And most of their stories are just made up in marketing boardrooms. They're not real. There's not, there's no genuineness around it. And, uh, and nobody really seems to care. And so, but I do. And I felt like, I, 
I felt like we were positioned enough in the industry and in, in our own knowledge of the, of the game and our network to apply what we had learned from our small distillery to a global brand. I wanted to create a brand that would be the absolute pinnacle in its category, the most elegant, the smoothest, the most award-winning, um, with the most genuine pedigree and heritage in history. And of course, I didn't know where the brand would be. I, I had spent a year thinking and investigating things and pursuing different paths. I, I hadn't found the one that really clicked with me. And I said, this is it. This is beautiful. This is, this is going to be a fantastic brand. One night, my wife had been trying to get me to watch this show, Downton Abbey, which many people know High Clare Castle as Downton Abbey. Mm -hmm. 250 million fans around the world watch Downton Abbey. It's the, the most successful TV series in global history. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so I, I started watching the show and I, I say, oh, this is great. And after the show ended one night, the, uh, there was a PBS special on High Clare Castle, the real Downton Abbey. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I learned for 45 minutes, I watched in, in, in spellbound awe uh, that this place was real and that uh, Lord and Lady Carnarvon live there and are working this estate and it's being farmed and it's, it's still hosting many of the world's most fascinating people like they've done for many hundreds of years. And uh, so I reached out to the castle very randomly. <laughs> I'm an American spirits entrepreneur, yeah. blah, blah, blah. The next day my phone rang and it was Lord Carnarvon. And Lord Carnarvon said, no, I was fascinated by your email. Um, it's not, nothing that has ever come across our thought, thought before. Mm -hmm. And uh, two weeks later, I'm on a plane with my wife to go stay at the castle for the weekend. And, and, we, and from that, Lord Lady Carnarvon and, and I and my wife formed a wonderful friendship. And I think that's the way most of the best business partnerships uh, form. Mm -hmm. um, we got to know each other and I got to really understand the castle and the essence of the castle. And, uh, and thus began the journey. And, and gin was the obvious one for me. Yeah. Gin is a, a, it's a category that is kind of very new in that it's having a resurgence. Mm -hmm. As people mature and um, seek out more sophisticated experiences, they're learning that gin tastes better in cocktails than vodka. And, and it's also older and it has a more storied past. And at High Clare, gin has always been the cocktail of choice since the 1800s to start mm -hmm. an evening, and it still has been today. Mm -hmm. And it's quintessentially British. So with High Clare as a stage, with the gardens as the source of the botanicals, with a beautiful England and its countryside as the backdrop, mm -hmm. in a category that's just taking off now as people rediscover it, our timing is perfect. The brand took five years to bring to life. We obsessed over every detail. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then, of course, we we were magic, magically fortunate in launching a few months before COVID shut the entire restaurant industry and hospital, or I should say hotel and hospitality industry to its knees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is, I, I love your story. It's absolutely fantastic. And it's it's so entrepreneurial in it. But there's, so there's one part I, I, I want to just to kind of take a, a step back on, hmm. and that is how you approach the idea of fear. And, and I say this because to many people listening to this interview right now, the fact that you had the, you know, the, the wherewithal and just the, you know, the just go, gone out and reach out to, to High Clare Castle itself. And we're like, hi, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. I want to create a gin with you. Like that alone, I think, would terrify people. 
how did you approach the idea of fear or, you know, like asking for things like this, putting yourself out there in times when it may be a little bit uncomfortable and you could be rejected. You could have very easily, like they could have ignored you. They could have just been like, you know, go away. How do you approach those kind of circumstances? Well, I mean, they, I, I don't know who said this quote. It might've been Michael Jordan, but you know, they say you miss a hundred percent of the shots that you don't take, right? Right. I, I mean, for me, I, I come from a very genuine place mm -hmm. and I do business in a very genuine way. And, and, and because of that, uh, I'm never, I'm never uh, I, I feel in that of my team as well, we're, we're, we're never trying to weasel something that shouldn't be done. Sure. It's never coming from an intention and nothing we do ever comes from an intention of trying to get something or take something, but rather to, to create something of value right. that that's what business is, right? And so because of that inherent mindset, I, I don't think we're ever feeling guilty or nervous about asking for what we want because it's coming from a true place. Sure. My thought was I'm, I will be creating a super premium spirit, mm -hmm. a global brand presence that's highly unique. If somebody says, no, I'm not interested. Yeah. I wouldn't have an ounce of fear to ask. And I wouldn't be announced uh, upset if it said no. I, we just turned down another brand a couple of weeks ago with a, a major global pop star mm -hmm. for that very reason hmm. uh, that it didn't feel real. It didn't okay. feel genuine. It didn't feel aligned with how I think and do things. And while a lot of money could be made, certainly it wasn't coming from the right place. Yeah. And so I think with high Claire, I just simply wrote a very genuine email and, uh, and then we had a very genuine conversation and then genuinely became friends and, and yeah. all that foundation led to a really great, um, baseline to begin a business with it that's all just true and honest yeah oh that's that's wonderful and i've you've mentioned a few times about just the you know the story behind it and your in, intent to make the best gin that you, you possibly can and with you know i love all of your attention in the world in the world yes the best gin in the world um and your attention to detail is is absolutely amazing and i, I appreciate that um thank you i'm curious then so you mentioned before that the a lot of like the, the botanicals come from high Clare castle around can you like do you mean they literally like they will then harvest from parts of the of the fields and then take them to the distillery what what do you mean by that type of because i've also seen like from garden to glass in your in your marketing so could you describe that a bit more of course yeah, so just a, a brief primer on High Clare. Yeah. High Clare Castle, it, it's uh, situated on a 5,000 acre estate. Okay. It's about an hour, an hour and 50 minutes west of London in the, okay. in the countryside in a, in a county called Hampshire. Very beautiful countryside um, of England. Very kind of iconically kind of England. Yeah. And, uh, and, and right in the middle of the estate sits the beautiful castle that many people, many people rec would recognize. And one of the things I love about Highclere is it's a working estate. Whereas uh, many of the old families of England, um, these houses cost so much to maintain and to yeah. keep that many of them have been turned into full-time museums or just sold or destroyed even. Uh, yeah. The tax and duty issues in the past with inheritance and all that kind of mess. So the Carnarvons um, have done an incredible job at protecting the legacy and keeping it intact. And one of the other things they've done really well is protected the tradition of 
what having an English country estate really is. So okay. it is farmed. A yeah. couple thousand acres of that 5,000 acres are farmed. Oh, wow. There's beautiful parkland mm -hmm. that was designed by a famous park designer named Capability Brown, Brown back in the 1800s. And, uh, and they still use the house as their official family seat, okay. which means that they're also kind of hosting um, ambassadors from around the world, whether they be friends or uh, royalty, members of the aristocracy from Europe or successful business people, celebrities and statesmen uh, come for weekends, mm -hmm. just like you might see in an episode of Downton Abbey. It's still done that way. And ideas are exchanged and gin is drunk and cigars are smoked and fun is had by all and new friends, friendships and partnerships are formed. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the gin itself, I mean, the recipe for our gin took about a year and a half to develop. And it was easy yet very hard, easy in the sense that we could literally walk out of the back door of the castle mm -hmm. and voila, right down a little hill is a Victorian era orangery. Back in the Victorian times, it was very fashionable to have an orangery, which was basically like a, um, a, a, a permanent greenhouse where yeah. they could grow tropical fruits and you could enjoy oranges and citruses and pineapples year round where it was very hard to get that, very, very expensive to get that in England in the middle of winter. Yeah. And so they still stand and they're still used. So we use these very beautiful little oranges about the size of golf balls that grow on, a, it's, a, it's a variety of Spanish orange and they're incredibly fragrant. Mm -hmm. So Hiker Castle Gin as a result is a very citrus forward gin, which I find that people that are new to gin or don't think, or think they don't like gin, they love our gin because we dial the juniper back, that pine flavor comes back. Mm -hmm. and the the citrus comes forward so you get things like we use lime flower from the lime trees the flower the budding flowers we use the peel from the oranges not the juice but just the oils in the peel uh, we use lemon then down below that is yeah. the walled monk's garden and in the walled monk's garden are beds upon beds of lavender that was planted by the bishops of Winchester at Highclere in the ninth century. So it's over a thousand years old, these lavender beds. Yeah. By putting lavender into the gin, which is not commonly done, you get a, just a touch of beautiful floral aroma on the nose. Mm -hmm. Then we use juniper, we have cassia bark, we have angelica root, we have more typical gin yeah. botanicals. But lastly, the most important ingredient, um, and it was Lord Carnarvon's idea, and we're the first gin in the world to, I believe, to use oats. Highclere is very famous for its oats in mm -hmm. thoroughbred racehorse circles because they grow some of the most widely renowned oats for thoroughbreds in the world, you know, racehorses. Yes. And so we tried using the oats in the recipe. It was Lord mm -hmm. Carnarvon's idea. I did not think it would do anything. And it gave it this really round, creamy finish. And I believe those oats are why as of last week, we've just won in a year's time, 20 international double gold and platinum awards. I, we just got uh, the best gin in the world from uh, the John Barleycorn Awards. Mm -hmm. And I believe by summer, we will in fact be the most awarded gin in the world. So very proud of how the recipe came out and how many people are discovering it. Yeah, that's, that's so congratulations. That's, that is absolutely wonderful that you're winning so many awards and that your efforts are, are really coming through fruition right now. I'm, I'm curious with that, with so many, let's say options to create your gin, how many different types of variances did you test till you came up with the final bottle that is now being bought and sold around the world? 25. Wow. Yeah, we had 20, we were on our 24th iteration of the recipe. Yeah. I really, really liked it like a lot. 
but it was missing this one component that I really look for in the best spirits and wands. Mm-hmm. And it was that really silky, velvety, creamy finish. Mm. No bite. And we weren't quite there. And I didn't know what to do. And we were out of ideas, to be candid. And we were in the distillery. It's England's oldest gin distillery up north in Birmingham mm-hmm. by the, towards the Scottish border. And we didn't know what to do. And that's when Lord Carnarvon said, let's, uh, let's try the oats. Let's try throwing the oats into the botanical blend. And I'm like thinking to myself, this is not going to do anything, yeah. but I have no better ideas. Let's give it a go. Two weeks later, a sample arrived. Lord Carnarvon and I were together in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. launching the High Clare Cigar. And the sample arrived to uh, the Bellagio. We, we popped it open and tasted it and said, oh my God, we've done it. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> let's, let's talk about your cigar briefly. So what... What made you want to also create a cigar brand at the same time as you're creating this, this gin brand? Well, I, you know, I, I've always been a cigar enthusiast, um, but had no connection in the business. Mm-hmm. I have a very dear friend who's also a, a, a native Connecticut guy. He's a world-renowned cigar blender named Nick Malillo. He started off with Drew Estates and now has created his own cigar portfolio called Foundation Cigar Company, winning all these fantastic awards. He he has access to the rarest tobaccos. He's really skilled and very passionate about what he does. Yeah. And, 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 and becoming really quite renowned. And uh, he was a good friend of mine. And I was at Highclere one weekend and Lord Carnarvon made a mention in passing about how Winston, there was a particular chair and he seemed, and Lord Carnarvon mentioned that's where Winston used to like to come and smoke. And I said, Winston, like, do you mean Winston Churchill? Yeah. Who was apparently a great friend of uh, Lord Carnarvon's grandfather. And so there's lots of anecdotes like that at Hike there. There's no shortage of ridiculous anecdotes. You know, the nation of Canada was formed in Hike there's library over cigars and gin. So, I mean, these stories go on and on. Yeah. People who have smoked and drank at Hike there. And uh, so I came home from that trip and I said, you know, we're about to do this very big gin project. It's cost going to cost millions of dollars. Uh, It's going to take a couple more years to get off the ground. This was a few years back. Yeah. Uh, I approached Nick and I said, Nick, Cigars are still always enjoyed after dinner at Highclere. All the men go into the library. Now the women sometimes join them too, which is always fun. Yeah. And, uh, and I said, would you be willing to partner with us and, and, and blend me the best cigar in the world? I uh, got these invoices from Highclere's archives. We see the cigars that Lord Carnarvon's grandfather was ordering in 1920 for these parties. Can yeah. you make a replica of this kind of cigar? And he said, yes. I, I told him I wouldn't do it if he says no. There was going to yeah. be no cigar. This was about two to three years ago. And the Highclere Castle cigar, we now have two types. There's okay. the Edwardian and the Victorian, a blue mm-hmm. box and a red box. They're winning all these awards as well and distributed pretty widely throughout the US and the UK mm-hmm. and uh, to the highest marks. Yeah. All so that's that was, I did that on a whim. We brought it to life within six months. Yeah. I had the idea. And two months later, I'm in the jungles of Nicaragua with Lord Carnarvon smoking different blends to decide the one we want the most. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I love the story. What I, I love is your attention to detail with all of this. You know, you've, you, you meet people who are some of the, are the best at what they do. And you're like, I've got this idea and I want to work with you. And we want to make sure that it stays within our, you know, our brand guidelines, everything else that we want to these high standards and that people just are rising to the occasion rather than just sinking back. And I, I, I love that. I'm Thank also you. curious because of the fact that I years ago had my own bottled water brand, your purple bottles. Could you talk a little bit more about the bottle design and, and why you chose purple particularly for your gin? 
It's a great question. Um, and, and it is not a commonly used color, which is one of the reasons why we ended up with it. Yeah. Uh, but it started really with, um, I wanted a bold color. Um, I, I, I was in, I was inspired by that Tiffany aqua kind of, and that move mm-hmm. Clicquot orange. I love those kind of bold, unique, not, not normal colors that come from the Pantone booklet, yeah. you know? And so I wanted a power color because it's high Claire. We want it to be understated, but grand. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to be too opulent because mm-hmm. that's definitely not British. And yet I want it to be um, classic yet somehow modern. <laughs> so all these things kind of had to be achieved. Hi, Claire, um, you know, purple throughout history, going back to the Roman times, has always been the color of the nobility mm-hmm. and the church. And of course, um, with Lord, Lord the, the Carnarvons, the Earl of Carnarvon's long noble history, that made a lot of sense. The fact that the Bishop of Winchester used to live at High Clare a long time ago, mm-hmm. that would have been the color of the church. And the purple, so the purple does bold, it's yeah. non-Pantone, so it's custom purple. So we got that intense shelf presence. Uh, the story makes a lot of sense because of the connection. Obviously, High Clare is a noble brand mm-hmm. and the connection with nobility and the church. And then finally, we do use lavender in it. And that's not mm. common done in spirits. And so it's kind of a nod to the, the lavender beds as well. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. And the, final, wonderful. the final result is a unique color that stands out on the shelf that isn't frequently used in spirits. And, uh, and is very uh, elegant. Yes, yes, excellent. I'm curious then on, on you mentioned this in the very beginning, you've, you've launched the brand right in time for, for COVID to hit. So the typical, let's say parties and everything else and, and restaurants all kind of went away. What have you learned in 2020 about COVID and the world that will then help you in 2021 when things start opening up again and you're able to you know, release your, your brand to a wider audience? I think in our case, we, we were almost growing too fast at the end of 2019 and into yeah. 2020. I had spent most of January away from my family in Poland and Switzerland and France, kind of rapidly expanding everything. And one of the things that happened after COVID, um, you know, wow, like it brought the world to its knees, didn't it? It's first week, two weeks, none of us knew what was going to happen. We had lost so many re- of our restaurant customers who buy from us around the world, closed hotels. Yeah. Um, other big partnerships we have, for example, um, you know, our friends over at Viking Cruise Line who who uh, feature high clear gin on their boats. All of a sudden, that whole cruise industry is docked. Yeah. And so uh, w- one of the things that we did that I did was, was come into the office, roll up our sleeves and pull out some of the old classic books, you know, books on guerrilla marketing, books like Sun Tzu's Art of War, the classics. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we looked at our business model. And we looked at what we had to do and we realized that we were going too fast. Um, we realized that we had to get back to the important things, which is developing relationships with our customers, our retailers, our restaurants, supporting them even when they're, especially because they're down yeah. and, 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 and getting super focused on our core markets, on our core customers and supporting them through the hardship of the year and making those rock solid customers in the marketplace. And we did it. Mm-hmm. And with a bit of creative marketing around it, for example, we we started doing these virtual cocktail parties on our Facebook and Instagram Live, where Lord and Lady Carnarvon welcome everybody into the castle for cocktails and have a 45-minute fun party of really kind of behind the scenes at the castle. 
And that was quite a marketing coup d'etat because we've had over a half a million people attend those events. We've kept doing them throughout the year. Yeah. Um, we, we, we did some earlier this year for Valentine's Day and we'll do some this summer as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, so on the one hand, from a distribution practical and tactical perspective, we pivoted very quickly. We yeah. went deeper into the market and, uh, and, and got very, very hyper-personal with all of our customers, stopped growing and focused on growing within our markets. Okay. And then secondly, some creative marketing, thank God for technology and things like Zoom um, and, and, and you know, Facebook and Instagram Live. We were able to we were able to make the most of it when much of our competition was not. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 wonderful. And that's it's really clever. Are you are you thinking about continuing these virtual drinking events even when we are allowed to you know, go out and, and you know, ex- experience the, the natural world again? You know, our, our customers and our fans and, and fans of Hiker Castle love it so much that um, I think we'll, we'll, we'll keep it going on occasion as long as people want it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So I'm curious then in your, because you're, you're a spirit drinker. Um, what are some of your favorite cocktails for the spring and summertime that, that you like to enjoy and, and, and drink? You know, we've got this, uh, we did this amazing collaboration with High Claire's head butler, whose name is Louie. He's an amazing mixologist. Mm-hmm. And he learned how to make cocktails from the butler before him and who learned from the butler before him. And Lady Canarin actually found in the archives at the castle, these beautiful old handwritten notes from the 1920s of the butler writing down the cocktails to be served for an yeah. evening party. So we took all that and we embodied it in a little booklet called The English Butler's Guide to Cocktails. And it's actually available on our website. If you go to our website, which is HeiklerCastleGin.com, at the bottom, if you subscribe for our newsletter, we automatically send you a PDF of the book that has the best cocktails exactly as they're served at Heikler today. In terms of some of my favorites, I mean, you know, uh, every people all around the world are saying Heikler Castle Gin is the first gin you can literally drink on the rocks. Mm -hmm. I love it on the rocks with an orange peel twist and a little sprig of rosemary. It's really kind of different. It's a little unique. It's very fresh. It's wicked refreshing. Yeah. And it's the way Lord and Lord Carnarvon and I, it's our kind of go-to. Nothing beats a gin and tonic with High Claire. I think it we're 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 just devastating the gin and tonic. It's it, it, we are smoother and more elegant. And it, it it tends to really merge nicely with a very light, nice tonic and a mm-hmm. splash of soda water. I like our gin and tonics better with an orange uh, slice a little squeeze of orange juice yeah. better than with the lime, the traditional way. Um, and I think that, I think the most elegant cocktail with High Claire is the French 75, which we call the British 75. It's available in that booklet. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that involves champagne, which makes everything better. So. <laughs> yeah, of course. Awesome. And this is, oh, these are, these are fantastic, fantastic cocktail um, recipes. And I look forward to, to trying all of them because they, you, you, your passion for for your spirits just it's infectious and it makes me want to like drink all of these right Good. now. Yeah. That's great. That's the whole idea. <laughs> I love it. So Adam with everything that you have done and experienced in your career so far, what would you say has been the best advice that you were ever given? I think it is certainly to hire the absolute best I can afford and to invest significantly in the team. You know, people, that, that, that old adage of the customer is always right or the customer comes first. Uh, as much as I love the customer and obsess over their experience in every way, mm-hmm. it really starts at home. 
and, and the home is the team. It's the office. It's the people that bring the brand alive and, and um, do the work every day. So I, I, I've learned that lesson the hard way in some cases and was some great advice that I've gotten once a long time ago. And now I try to hire, uh, hire quickly, fire even faster if it's not a fit mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and get right to work with investing in our people because I, I can't do it all. <laughs> and, uh, and the team is the most important thing. So it's all about that. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you so much. Um, this has been an absolute wonderful conversation about you and, and your journey. And I, I really appreciate it. If the listeners would like to, you know, buy your gin, buy the cigars, or find out more about what your brand is, is doing, where can they go for all of this? Yeah, Heckler Castle Gin is um, available in t- about 25 states in liquor stores and restaurants. So definitely uh, uh, always helpful when people ask for the product. We are still new, uh, but it is also available online through our website uh, nationwide in the mm-hmm. U.S. and the United Kingdom. And so HeiklerCastleGin.com is our website, Heikler Castle Gin, where it's very easy to buy a bottle and have it shipped to your door. Um, and of course, our Instagram and our Facebook pages are both at Heikler Castle Gin too. So people are welcome to, you know, follow us for cocktail ideas, for fun announcements about events that will be coming up this fall and winter, I hope. And, and, uh, and certainly they can subscribe to our, our newsletter on our website for um, a free copy of the Butler's Guide to English Cocktails. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Adam. I will put all those links in the show notes just so that everybody can click right through if they want to. But again, thank you so much. This has been an absolute delight to hear about you and and the gin. It's been a pleasure, Yuri. Thanks for having me on. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of Advance Your Art with Yuri Cataldo. If you like this episode, please remember to give us a five-star rating, like, and share with a friend. Our theme music is written and mixed by Chicago-based composer Ryan Black of Blackbones Collaborative. To listen to the full catalog of our episodes, go to advanceyourart.com. To see what I'm working on or book a time with me or buy a copy of my book, Be Left Behind, go to yuricataldo.com. Thank you so much and have a great day.